I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the We Can Do Better podcast. Welcome back to season four. This is episode three of that experience. You heard Conor McGregor's voice from the jump. We included his voice for one reason and one reason only. Shout out to the Republic of Ireland. I mean, they make up 11% of our audience pool. We found that out on Anchor earlier today, and we thought, hey, why not shout them out? You know, we might have Shane Lowry on a future episode. We got to a piece to the population, Daniel. We got to a piece to the population. I'm doing this episode from Sarasota at my family's radio station. You're doing this from your closet in Tallahassee. I mean, how's Tallahassee living treating you right now? How is the city that never sleeps? I mean, listen, it's big time. It's big time in T-Town, all right? The city that never sleeps, the Big Apple. It's always hustling and bustling. You know, you see people on the street. You see people at bars, unfortunately. But it's good. It's good. It's great. I mean, what do you expect from Tallahassee, Florida, right? I expect the best and the best only, Daniel. The same goes for the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are one win away from the NBA Finals. Let me say that one more time. The Miami Heat are one win away from the NBA Finals. Tyler Hero. Hmm. Hmm. Daniel, he is four days older than you. As you know, Tyler Hero, born January 20th, 2000. He dropped the most points by a 20-year-old in an NBA Conference Finals, or I think an NBA Playoff game, outside of Magic Johnson. Tyler Hero dropped 37 Magic Johnson. He dropped 42 in the early 1980s. Daniel, Tyler Hero was setting all type of records two nights ago, and he has the heat on the brink of a miraculous run to the NBA Finals, one that nobody outside of South Florida saw coming. I mean... There is no precedent for this. There really isn't. Yeah, yeah, there isn't. You know, and I want to I wanna quickly shout out to all the people that didn't think the Miami Heat would do it. You know, I want to shout out all the people that thought that the Miami Heat would lose to Milwaukee and that everybody who thinks that, you know, the Miami Heat is still going to go seven games with Boston. I would just shut up right now if I were you guys. Like, I would just stop talking. I mean, you had us out of the entire playoffs from the get-go from the moment this season started. And then we were ranked a fifth seed and everybody was like, oh, the mind heat, you know, they're just going to roll over in the second, you know, in the second round. I mean, here we are. We're one game away from the NBA play from the NBA finals. We're beating Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, Daniel Theis. Let me tell you this. Jalen Brown. I love Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum didn't score a single point in the first half of game four. He didn't score a single point. All 28 of his points came in the second half. It looked like he did not know what he was doing. And you know what I love, Thomas? I love how the Miami Heat are doing all of this while looking like a Bethon basketball team playing a 2-2-1 zone defense. It's like, what the hell is going on? It's like Eric Spolster's like, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're all going to be middle schoolers or high schoolers playing in a Jewish uh, Temple Bethon basketball league. Okay? That's what we're doing here. And It works. It works. It works, Daniel. It works. They're honoring their roots. When you think of Miami basketball, you think of Beth Om. They are honoring their roots. Daniel, by the way, Solomon Hill, shout out to Solomon Hill. Four minutes 
plus two action. The Heat won by three points. He was the difference. He was the difference. I mean, we saw that Eric Spolscher was going to have adjustments ahead of game four. We didn't know they were going to be that drastic. Solomon Hill, have a day. I'm MVP. <laughs> M yeah, MVP. Listen, I was talking to a few friends uh, yesterday, and I was saying... I'm acting as if I was with them. I wasn't with them. I was on Snapchat, Daniel. You know, there's a there's a global pandemic right now. Right. Um, and I was saying, hey, this Giannis guy that the, he might consider getting, he'd be a great addition, you know, as a role player. And one of my friends, one of our good friends, Todd, said, well, he would be taking Solomon Hill's minutes away from him. And I thought, you know what? It might not be worth it because Solomon Hill is the X factor. Yeah, Solomon Hill really is. He's that guy. He's that dude. You know, you want to talk about how the Lakers have LeBron James, you know, the Denver Nuggets now have Jamal Murray, right? You know, Milwaukee Bucks have that Giannis guy. The Miami Heat have that man in Solomon Hill. You need a solid four minutes to come in and close a game. You need a man to come in and step up in big time moments. You look at Solomon Hill and you think that he's the pinnacle of that type of player. You want the ball in somebody's hands in the last minute. You give it to Solomon Hill to get you over the hill. That's all you need, Right. You know, there's talking about, you know, you talk about players that show up or, or, you know, don't show up at all in big time moments. And you look at Solomon Hill, ask that guy. He is that dude. He is special. Okay. He, this, this man is special. I'll say that. Solomon Hill is special. You know who else is special? Bam Adebayo. Daniel, you know who he looked like two nights ago? He looked like the warden. He looked like Joel Anthony. He looked like the best rim protector in Miami Heat history because Joel Anthony is, you know, I, I can't think of anybody better. Daniel, Bam Adebayo, we all heard that he was going to be the X factor of this series. You know, Boston and the Heat, you know, they matched up really well. But when it came to the center position, when it came to bigs, Daniel Tice, he wasn't supposed to be a good matchup against Bam Adebayo, even though some Boston sports journalists were saying the otherwise. They said that it was a wash. Well, we knew it wasn't a wash. You know, <laughs> the only thing that's going to get washed is Boston's jerseys before they leave the bubble because, you know, there's a pandemic. You don't want to have germs flowing around. You know the whole deal, you know. The Boston Celtics pretty quickly going to be out of the NBA playoffs. The Miami Heat, Daniel, wow, I can't believe – I just – I cannot process this fully because the last time the Miami Heat wore in an NBA Finals – I was 14 years old. Uh, I don't even. I think I might have been going into high school after that summer. So many things have changed in our lives over the last six years that it's kind of crazy that the Heat have gone through this whole roller coaster from losing LeBron to Bosch's blood clots to signing all of those terrible contracts such as Dion Waiters, James Johnson, Tyler Johnson. To now being within one game of the NBA Finals, it's crazy to me. How did we get here? I don't know. I don't know. How did we get here? I'll tell you what we got here. In one day, Pat Riley decided to just flip the switch, draft Tyler Hero, and sign and trade Jimmy Butler for Josh Richardson. That's it. That's it. That's how it happened. In like one day, we went from being like the, one of the worst teams in the East to being Finals contenders. It's insane. Yeah, it's I, insane. I think Pat Riley one day just decided, you know what? This NBA draft might be pretty good. Mm. You know, I um, if I if I could, you know, develop this player who was undrafted, maybe I could develop a guy who was drafted 13th. Pat Riley, it might have taken you 40 years, but you finally figured out that the NBA draft is pretty good. Daniel, Pat Riley, 10 NBA championships. One more, and he joins Bill Russell at 11, and it could potentially 
be against LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, the same LeBron James who infamously disrespected the hell out of Pat Riley in 2014 free agency. If you haven't heard the story, Pat Riley flew out to Las Vegas where LeBron was to try to convince him to come back to Miami. And LeBron was just playing video games. He was pretty much ignoring what Pat Riley was trying to say to him. Alonzo Mourning, Heat legend, who was with Pat Riley, told LeBron, you can't disrespect this man like this. Daniel, you cannot disrespect this man like this because Pat Riley, who gave LeBron two out of three championships, let's not forget that. The Miami Heat were more important to LeBron James's career than LeBron James was to the Miami Heat. And I will go to the grave with that statement. If the Heat could pull it out and drop LeBron James to three and seven in the NBA Finals, if Pat Riley could get revenge on LeBron James, the same LeBron James who was telling players not to go to the Miami Heat, and the same Los Angeles Lakers who moved on from him in the 1980s, Daniel, you should just retire right there, right? Yeah, you got to go out on top. Isn't that what Pat Riley wants to do anyways? Isn't Doesn't he want to win a chip and just be like, yep, I'm done and drop the mic? I see no better way to do it than to beat the man that you brought to help you win championships, to beat him afterwards and say, you know what, we don't need you. We don't need you. Have fun in LA shooting your movies, being an executive producer for some show. Here we are winning championships. I got rings. What about you? I it, Come on. I mean, listen, LeBron James going to LA, bringing Anthony Davis, that that team has no team. It's It's a fake team. You have, listen, I, I I was looking, I was watching the game yesterday. I was watching the LA game, play the Denver Nuggets. Frank Vogel is just another guy watching a Lakers basketball game. I mean, he wears the same thing as the assistant coaches. He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. It's like LeBron James is really just running that team. Frank Vogel is just like a white version of David Blatt. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I could. So if you want a real team, I'm just going to say this. If you want to, if there's a team that deserves to win the NBA Finals, it's a real team like the Miami Heat, not just a pickup team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you know, throwing the ball to each other back and forth for however long, 48 minutes. Game five tonight, Daniel. We could put it away tonight. I got to buy some cigars. I got to buy some champagne because there's some celebrating to be done. There is no chance that the Boston Celtics come back from 3-1 down. I'm saying it right now. I, I don't think I'm jinxing, jinxing the Miami Heat. I do not think there is a chance that the Boston Celtics come back. I'm going to end this segment by mentioning one thing, Daniel. As you know, I love to listen to the Dan Lebitard Show. Their executive producer, Mike Ryan, was talking about how he had been listening to Boston Sports Radio after the Game 1 loss. I decided to do the same thing after Game 4, and Daniel, I was smiling from ear to ear hearing Boston fans Talk about how Jason Tatum didn't show up, how the Miami Heat aren't very good. And by the way, if the Miami Heat aren't very good, the Boston Celtics are straight up trash. They're trash. I mean, there's no other way to say it. You get blown out by a Heat team that wasn't supposed to make the playoffs, right? Huh? They weren't supposed to make the playoffs. Brad Stevens is supposed to be this great coach. Well, he lost to Filipino Jackson, Daniel. He lost to Filipino Jackson, Eric Spolstra. Heat in five. I can't believe I'm saying this, Daniel, but it is here. It is FSU Miami week. It seems like 2020 just decided to put the biggest sporting events in our lives for our sports teams in the same week this year because we have the Miami Heat 
on the precipice of the NBA Finals. I know you like that word, the precipice of the NBA Finals. The Miami Dolphins secured their first win of the season. The Miami Marlins can clinch their first postseason berth in 17 years tonight. But Daniel, I have to talk about the Miami Hurricanes and the Florida State Seminoles because as you know, as a lot of the listeners know, it is the biggest sports game on the calendar each and every year for me. It doesn't get any bigger than the Knowles and the Canes. And honestly, I don't think that the margin between the two teams is going to be any bigger than it's going to be this year because I think the Canes are going to blow out the Knowles. Yeah, I think so too. I think De'Ara King is the real deal. You know, that man is like, I I mean, he's he's a beast. He's a baller. Why didn't we get him? Why didn't we get De'Ara King? We're a better program than the Miami Hurricanes. We are, well, maybe we are. I don't know right now. It's kind of looking iffy right now. But are you serious? I mean, listen, Judge, I, we had a bye week. We didn't play last weekend. And I guess that gave us some kind of, you know, extra time to prepare for the Miami Hurricanes, you could say. They have a really good dual threat quarterback running back combo with De'Ara King and Cameron Harris, Cameron, Kamala Harris. And I just don't think our D line is going to be able, you know, to penetrate their offense and really put some pressure with their size and girth on De'Ara King. You know, it, it it's going to be hard. We didn't do it against Georgia Tech. I don't see how we're going to do it against UM. If there's one thing that's going to step up big, it's going to be our cornerbacks and it's going to be our linebackers. Offense, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Our defensive line needs to step up, Daniel. That defensive line against a shoddy Georgia Tech offensive line didn't really do anything. You have a player who's supposed to be a top-five pick in Marvin Wilson, and while he did block two field goal attempts, the team as a whole only registered one sack in that whole game. So while the defense only gave up 16 points in that loss to Georgia Tech, they need to be more consistent. Daniel, it was like a repeat of the last two seasons. The first quarter, the team looks great. And after that, they face some sort of adversity and they just lay down. We cannot have that against Miami. How can you not step up against your arch rival? How can you not maintain that same level of intensity for 60 minutes? If you can't get up for FSU Miami, then why are you even playing football? Yeah. Yeah, really. Honestly, you know, what? I'll say this. I'll say this. We may, I, I feel like we are going to get blown out, right? We both agree on that. But even last year, we had a terrible team and we played UM and it was pretty close. It was actually, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I, <laughs> I, I, we got wrecked. We got absolutely destroyed. We went to that game in person. I'm sorry for concussions. I forget things sometimes, but you know what? I feel like, and, and here's a big factor too. Mike Norvell tested positive. For the big C, Chris Thompson, our assistant coach, will be coaching the game instead. It's been interesting to see how Mike Norvell has been running practice, though. They have been saying that he's been on Zoom. He's been, you know, telling coaches what to do the whole bit. I think it's pretty funny. You have all of these football players working really hard, you know, in a training facility. And you have Mike Norvell just like on a laptop. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, how much can you really coach? I don't know how we're going to do. I hope Chris Thompson shows up and shows out. I'll tell you that. Daniel, there's one thing from preventing me, one person who prevents me from having enthusiasm for this game, and it's James Blackman. Has he won a rivalry game? I, He might have beaten UF his freshman year, if I remember correctly. But other than that, James Blackman, 
he's just a dud in rivalry games, and he's a great kid. You know, I've I've gotten the chance to talk to him over the last few years. He's a great kid, and I've given him every chance to be successful. And, you know, when I say that, I mean I've been very patient with him as a quarterback. But it's his fourth season. You know, I've said this before. I feel like a broken record now. It, it's time for change. You know, you got a new head coach. You know, you even changed your uniforms. You have so many, so much turnover in this program with players leaving after Taggart left. But you still have the same quarterback who was leading you when Jimbo Fisher was at the helm. Until there's some sort of change at the quarterback position, I think Florida State is going to be in the same position, Daniel, where they're just this mediocre program that can't get over the hump. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be hard to get over the hump. It's going to be really tough. But let's look at UM for a second. Let's see why we can't get through this game. You know, like I said, uh, De'Ara King, Kamala Harris at the running back position. You also have Brevin Jordan at tight end. I mean, Thomas, every time we watch a UM game, you always point out to me, that man could start in the NFL right now. He is absolutely ginormous. This man looks like a football version of LeBron James. I mean, you have wide receivers that are, you know, comparable, right? You have okay wide receivers. But let me tell you something. Don't underestimate the athletic tight end in college football, especially with a mobile, with a mobile quarterback. It's going to be tough to stop him. We have great cornerbacks, but how is the middle of our team going to play? You know what I mean? You can't stop the middle and have De'Ara King running out to the side and scrambling when he's arguably one of the most shifty, one of the most pizzazzful tight, you know, quarterbacks in college football. It comes down to our D-line. It comes down to how we're going to force De'Ara King into tough positions. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that for four quarters without our offensive score, you know, without our offense scoring the ball. It's going to be tough. I think that's why we're going to lose more than anything. I think our our coverage is going to be great. But stopping De'Ara King from running and Brevin Jordan from just getting great plays, we're going to lose the game. I think we're going to lose we're going to lose 34 to 10. 34 to 10. Wow, that is close to my prediction. This game obviously being on college game day, I feel more compelled to give a prediction than I usually would for an FSU game. I think the two biggest keys, Daniel, are how good does Hampson Nasruldeen look for the Seminoles? Obviously, Nasruldeen was one of the best defensive backs in all of college football last season. You know, he's that type of ball hawk that you have at linebacker in Amari Gaynor. I think those two guys are your most important guys on the defensive side of the ball. If they have career games, Florida State can win on the offensive side of the ball. I'm compelled to say James Blackman, but I'm going to say the offensive line is the most important thing against Miami. Miami always has a great defensive line. They don't have Gregory Rousseau, who decided to take the season off, but they still have a damn good defensive line. And it seems like with this unit that Florida State has, when you have one injury, it all falls apart. So let's just not get injured. With that being said, Miami 34, Florida State 23. Wait a minute. Wait a just wait a damn second here. All right, what's up, guys? So We Can Do Better is an amazing podcast that helps you learn about sports in the easiest way possible. You've seen me surprise my co-anger with absurd rants. So please, if you ever want to hear about our lives as sports fans, click the link in our bio on Instagram and Twitter at WCDBpod and use promo code THOMAS to get $20 off your first purchase. Just kidding. We don't have sponsors. Thomas, today's the day that I make yet another batch of pizza dough. 
right? I'm going to make it today so that we can cook it when you get back on Monday, maybe Tuesday, right? If we're feeling like waiting a little bit longer, we cooked our third pizza. We cooked our third pizza and it looked the way we wanted. Aesthetically, it was very pleasing. I mean, you sent me a picture of our first pizza that we cooked yesterday. And then you sent me a picture of the one that we cooked as of late. I mean, a world's a difference, a world's difference. This looked like a pizza that you could sell at a restaurant. This looked like a pizza that I'd pay like $12, $15 for, right? However, looks may be deceiving at times. <laughs> and we still know that we need to do some work. We need to go back to the lab. We need to get back to the gym, put that work in, figure out what we're doing wrong, watch the film. What are your thoughts? What are your takes from our last pizza? What do we need to do better at the We Can Do Better podcast? Listen, as you said, looks can be deceiving. I think that pizza looked incredible. It looked like a pizza that a white girl at FSU would go to college town and they would take a picture of the pizza and they'd be like, oh my God, this pizza is so good. Even though our pizza is probably better than any pizza in Tallahassee, or at least it will be when we perfect the time. But as I said, Daniel, the time, time is of the essence. Time is of the essence. And, you know, we've been trying to figure it out because we are obviously cooking in a regular oven at home not a pizza oven. The first few times we completely undercooked the bread, but the rest of the ingredients were overcooked. So we were like, what do we do? I don't know. So, you know, we went to Bed Bath & Beyond, we got the pizza stone, and that's what really took us to another level. With the pizza stone, we were able to actually get some char on the pizza. Now, we might've overcooked it. Indeed, we did overcook it with this last pizza, Daniel, because when we bit into it, Wow, was it a tough chew. Yeah, you know, Thomas, we, we decided that we did need to bake it before we dressed the pizza and then put it back in the oven. You know, it looked like a flatbread when we took it out. It looked like a flatbread. I think the timing needs to be better. We do, in fact, need to cook the pizza before we dress it because, let's be honest, you want a good-looking pizza and you want a good-tasting pizza. I think that you have to meet somewhere in between, right? You got to find a medium. You got to find a, a middleman, a middle point, in between the aesthetics and the taste, the texture, the bite. I think our second pizza that we made, though it didn't look as good as our third, I think the bite was a little better, right? Like you said, it was a tough shoe. We need to get that crisp on the bottom. We need to get the crisp. We need to get it a little more doughy. I think give, give it three more cooks. Give it three more cooks of pizza, and we will have the best pizza in Tallahassee. Not only will we be opening up a bean restaurant, but we will also be opening up a pizzeria out of Quantum. We'll be selling our pizza for a reasonable price. We'll make personal pies. And you know, what? we're gonna have a great business because we're gonna have the best pizza in Tallahassee. Now, let me let me tell you something. I've been to the pizzerias in Tallahassee. I've been to Gain Street Pies and I've been to Momo's Pizza. Now we love local businesses, right? We really do. But let me tell you something. If it's game day and you're just pounding, you know, some beers down and you're going to watch football and you don't really care what you're eating, go get Momo's pizza, right? If you want something that's a little more nice, a little more, you know, Hey, I'm going to go get you know, like a slice of pizza with my friends, enjoy it, sit down, talk, go to Gain Street Pies. I recommend it, but we can do better here that we can do better podcast, right? We have quality ingredients. We have quality care. You know, we really take care of our pizza. Every pizza to us, is a new experience. Every pizza to us is like our very own child. Now, what is it like to have a child? I don't know exactly what it's like, but I imagine it's like something like baking a pizza. Okay, we make our own sauce, we grate our own cheese, 
We make our own dough. Now, let me tell you this. Better ingredients makes better pizza. Domino's. Pizza, pizza. That's what you get when you come and eat at the We Can Do Better Pizzeria. All right. We make professional pies here. And that's that's all we do. It's enough said. More saving, more doing. That's the power of the We Can Do Better podcast.